live from my man cave in Chesapeake, Virginia, this is MLS Gone Wild. I'm your host, Blake, here to bring you the latest news, rumors, opinions, analytics, interviews, and all things MLS and American soccer. Let's get it going. Hello and welcome to MLS Gone Wild, episode 94. This is your host, Blake. For the first time since 2003, both number one seeds will meet in the MLS Cup final and a brand new MLS Cup champion will be crowned. LAFC look to become just the fourth team in MLS history to win the double as they play host to the Philadelphia Union this Saturday at 4 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on Fox. So to help me preview this weekend's final, I am joined by Todd of the Philadelphia Union's Free Kick Pod and Chris of the Shoulder to Shoulder LAFC Podcast. These guys are my subject matter experts, DPs, if you will. Let's kick this episode off with Todd of Philadelphia Union's Free Kick Pod. Todd, little rhyming going on here. What's going on, man? Are you still buzzing from Sunday's comeback? And how excited are you about the possibility of the Union lifting the first MLS Cup trophy this Saturday? Yeah. Hey, Blake, I'm doing good. Um, it, it feels like it's fantasy land, right? Uh, still living off of that buzz about what we witnessed Sunday night at Subaru Park, seeing the Union go down by one goal and you you get this feeling like oh no not again where last year the union actually took the lead in that game against new york city and then new york city came and scored two goals to win that game and you kind of got the feeling that oh no is this really happening again like there's no excuses this time we have our best 11 out on the field and uh to the union's credit to the fans credit uh they didn't boo they didn't stay quiet right after new york city scored you, you, all you heard in the stadium was a big union, union chant. And uh, I talked to Ali Bedoya and Andre Blake and Jim Curtin mentioned it too. You know, that that's what the team needed, the belief from the fans. And we saw the union score two goals within two minutes and then eventually add that third with Corey Burke. So, yeah, none of this feels re- real. And uh, I'm, I'm just in disbelief. Yeah, they showed some real grit and fight in that comeback. And, you know, the union have been one of the best teams all year. And when you see them go down, you are like, oh, no. But, you know, they score in bunches, one of the you know highest scoring teams in the league. But with that victory, unfortunately, LFC also won. That's why I'm having Chris on the podcast. They will be hosting. But you guys did finish the 2022 season, both regular season and playoffs undefeated. What makes Subaru Park such a fortress? Yeah, I think it's the fans, really. Uh, and I talked about this on my show. Um, a couple of days ago where last year in the Eastern conference final, the fans showed up super early for that game. And so I was under the belief that, okay, fans are in their seats a lot earlier than what they normally are because they want to let these players know that haven't played all season that, Hey, look, we're behind you. We want to push you guys on to potentially get a win over New York city. And so I was like, okay, maybe this is why these fans are here. But then you look this past Sunday and the fans are, in their seats earlier than what they were last week. And I'm like, okay, maybe it's because it's a big game. People know what's at stake here. And so just hearing the fans in that stadium chanting and during warmups, which doesn't happen during the regular season because people are out in the parking lot still tailgating like you normally do in MLS. And right from that moment, I was like, okay, this is going to be a special, special game. And honestly, I think that really is why Subaru Park's a hard place to come. I mean, if people haven't been to the stadium, the supporter section, the Sons of Ben and the River End, that's where the players enter. They go under the supporter section. And so all you hear is the fan just banging on metal and you're lined up there going under the fans. And that, that can be a little bit daunting. 
And I remember a couple of years ago, I was talking to somebody in the front office. And I don't know if this is a true story, but they said that when David Beckham came into the MLS, that he said that was the most intimidating uh, atmosphere in MLS because of walking under the supporter section. So I don't know if you know if that really happened or not, but I'm just going to go what I was told from somebody in the front office. And yeah, without those fans, Subaru Park's nothing in my opinion. Agreed. But it always hasn't been, you know, sunshine and rainbows for the union. So Todd, uh, when and why did you begin supporting and covering the Philadelphia Union? And here's probably a good place for you to go ahead and, and plug your content. For sure. And uh, I'll get that easy part out of the way uh, right away. If uh, you guys want to follow on Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook, follow at Free Kick Pod. Uh, you can follow me personally on Twitter at It's a Todd's Life. Uh, wherever you get your podcast, just search The Free Kick and it'll come up and uh, check out the website, thefreekick.net. All right, the easy stuff out of the way. So I get asked this all the time from Union fans. Why Philadelphia Union and not DC United? Because I'm in Maryland. I live closer to DC than I do Chester, but it's a lot easier going up to Chester than it is dealing with DC traffic. And so because of that, that's why I decided, okay, I'm going to be a Philadelphia Union supporter and started paying attention to the team towards the end of 2017, really started paying attention to them in 2018. And then in 2019, I decided all right, I don't want to cover the Premier League anymore. Everybody else is doing that. Let me find something that's local niche to me. And there weren't a lot of Philadelphia Union podcasts at the time. You know, Philly media is not talking about the Union. Only up until the playoffs, they started talking about the Union. And so I was like, this is the perfect opportunity, the perfect market for me to get into, talk about the Union. So I started doing a podcast in 2019. And then in 2020, I officially got credentialed to cover the team go in the locker room press box all that jazz and everything so yeah started to become a fan at the end of 2017 and covering the team 2019 2020 well you're doing a great job man keep it up i appreciate it of course all right so one of if not the most intriguing narratives surrounding this year's mls cup is each team's strategies in terms of incoming transfers and roster construction two of the union starters are ex mls super draft picks Four guys in the midfield and defense were transferred in from small clubs for $375,000 or less, and they flipped their front three investment of about $5 million to around $12 million uh, in about a year and a half. Todd, talk to me about the job that Ernst Tanner and the scouting department have done to find the diamonds in the rough and get it right more times than not. Man, can we just talk about how the fact that Daniel Gazak should be rated a lot higher on transfer market? His value should be way up there. Yeah, but uh, that, I that, think that you, guys, be a podcast. you guys got him for 1.8 and he's 3.85 now. So he's already gone up two mil in valuation since he's come to the union. But I actually did put out a tweet the other day that he needs to be way higher than that. And if Hungary were in the World Cup, his value would skyrocket. Yeah, absolutely. No doubt about that. But uh, we'll take the small victories when we can take them. But yeah, it's it's been amazing to see just the transformation of this team since Ernst Tanner took over uh, towards the tail end of 2018, got his first full season in 2019. And I was listening to MLS Today. I'm sure a lot of your listeners also listen to them. And uh, they had Kim Kincaid, another uh, union podcaster, union beat reporter, or I should say ex-union beat reporter on the podcast. And he was basically laying out the foundation of from the start of the Philadelphia Union to where we got to now. And I don't want to spoil that episode too much because if your listeners haven't listened, definitely check that out. But th there really is three heirs of the Philadelphia Union. You have the Nick uh, Nick Sakovitz heir, 
Sakevich era where, yeah, that's a dark times. Union fans don't want to talk about that. Then you get Ernie Stewart in here who decides, let's focus on a specific system we want to play. Let, let's start looking at the academy. And then you have Ernst Tanner who says, you know what? I'm coming from the Red Bull system. We all know the Red Bulls have a keen eye on scouting players. We all see what Salzburg and Leipzig are doing in Europe. And so he's brought that mindset here to the Philadelphia Union. And like you said, I mean, you, you go to Hungary and sign Daniel Gazog for a little bit over half a million dollars. You sign Kai Wagner for around two to 300000 I believe it was. And these are players that weren't given chances in Europe. Kai Wagner came from Schalke's system, didn't break into the first team, and was playing in the third division. And Ernst Tanner was able to find this guy. You go to Venezuela and you find Jose Martinez. And I remember when it was announced the Union were signing Kai Wagner, Union fans were pissed. They're like, why are we signing a guy from the third division in Germany? He can't make it in any other league and we're going to give him a shot here in MLS. This, this isn't going to be our starter. Everybody had full faith in Matt Real. And here comes Kai Wagner. And uh, the rest is history, right? One of the best, if not the best, left back in MLS. You have... Jose Martinez, who was not supposed to be the guy in Philadelphia. He was supposed to be the understudy to Matai Orvats, who was a former Golden Boy nominee, who they signed from Slovakia, I believe it was. Never played a single game for the Union. The Union paid close to a million dollars for him. And to not see him play at all, that's one of the rare misses that Ernst Tanner had. And to see Jose Martinez come out and be this diamond in the rough signing, who was supposed to be nothing for the union, one of the best number sixes. That's just a credit to what Ernst Tanner has been able to do with this team. And yeah, like, like you said, they don't spend a lot of money and they have a lot of unknown players on this team, but that's a full credit to Ernst Tanner. And then you go into what the Philadelphia Union look into with buying these players. Number one, they have a strong locker room. Every single player in that locker room gets together. And Mikhail Uwe was talking about this, I believe, last week, where he wasn't used to that because it's so common to find in teams clicks. The Philadelphia Union do not have that. Every single player gets along. It's one big family. The players' wives all get along together. And you just don't see that in sports. And so part of Ernst Tenner's philosophy is, okay, I'm not going to go out here and buy superstar players. I'm going to go out here and get players that have a chip on their shoulder that, you know, weren't given a chance in Europe or were playing in lower leagues. And they buy into that in Philadelphia. And that's so much of what Philadelphia is. It's a hardworking town. They love defense and it's people that's underlooked. And that's exactly what you get with majority, majority of this roster. And you put it all together and you have a team that's got better and better since 2019, which is a credit to Ernst Tenner and Jim Curtin too, where you don't normally see majority of the roster stay together for four years. After two, three years, these players are going to another club in MLS. They're going back to Europe. They're going to South America or wherever. And to see majority of this roster still intact since Ernst Tanner put it together in 2019, it's really a testament to Ernst Tanner and Jim Curtin for convincing these guys to stay around. How's the saying go, Todd? Offense wins games, but uh, defense wins you guys championships. A lot of those diamonds in the rough that we're talking about, uh, we didn't mention Leon Flock, $200,000 from SC St. Pauli, the second division over in the German Bundesliga. Martinez under 400000 Wagner about two hundred k Glesnes under four hundred k Like Those are diamonds in the rough, and there's a lot of continuity with those guys. They've been around. Well, Flock's only been there for two years, but those guys – 
have stuck around to round out that back line. You have Andre Blake, your three-time MLS goalkeeper of the year, maybe MVP MLS super draft pick Jack Elliott fourth round in the super draft, which is crazy. That's like Tom Brady value in MLS. Right. And then uh, Olivier Mbiza who came from uh, union Two, like that is the best defense by the numbers in MLS history, just 26 goals allowed in the regular season. That's pretty crazy to me, right? 17 of those goals, however, were conceded on the road, and that's where you guys are going to be playing in L.A. Uh, that's still not bad, though, but the Union may also be without their captain, Ale Bedoya, and teams have been intentionally attacking the right side of that diamond in these playoffs, whether it is Bedoya or whether it is Jack McGlynn. How do you think the Union will set out to defend the, the dynamic LAFC left side of Buonga and Palacios and all the yeah, other I mean, guys they have? Yeah, yeah, no, right? Uh, I, I would argue, though, that the Union have already played the best front three in MLS in Cincinnati and held Brenner, Vasquez, and Acasa silently. And I know some Union fans might not like me saying Cincinnati has the best front three. I know it's a coin flip between them and the Union's and uh, I know LFC fans want to have a say too that, hey, look, our, our front three is pretty good as well. But the union decided against New York City, we're going to keep our fullbacks back. They're, they're going to play defense in this game because we know New York City are going to play their wingbacks for it in Tinnerholm and O'Toole. And so I expect to see some of that too against LAFC. And like you mentioned, if LA Bedoya does not start, which We'll see how he recovers after the game, uh, talking to him in the locker room. Uh, he said after 20 minutes, his body was killing him. He was in terrible shape, but he said it's the adrenaline going back to the fans, which make Subaru Park what it is. That pushed him to get to halftime. And by the time halftime was up, Jim Curtin and the coaching staff already knew that Jack McGlynn was going to come come in because uh, Jack McGlynn was going through an intensive uh, warm-up during the game. And we were like, oh, no, are the union going to burn a substitute already? And luckily, LA was able to get to the first half. The Union don't waste a waste a uh, substitute, a uh, substitution. And then Ali comes and says, "Yeah, his body was hurting really bad." So I'd be shocked, honestly, if we see him start against LAFC. But you know, it's the biggest game in club history, and you, you could say the game against New York City last was the biggest game in club history. Now the union are finally in MLS cup for the first time ever, just like LAFC. And so that adrenaline is going to be running through LA. And so if he does start only gives you 45 minutes, I would not be shocked. But if you also told me too, that he's not going to be in the starting 11, I, I wouldn't be shocked either. And uh, like you mentioned, Jack and Glenn's been the guy on the right side in the diamond when he's not been available. And the thing about Jack is he's left footed and like you mentioned, teams have been attacking that right side of the diamond. And the biggest knock on Jack is he's not the fastest guy. His defense has got better as the season's gone on, but I've always described Jack McGlynn as a Andre Pirlo-esque player with that left foot where, you know, you sit another number six next to him that's going to do the defensive work and let Jack McGlynn spray those passes. That's the best role for Jack McGlynn. But because the union play in a diamond formation, Jack McGlynn is going to have to help out a lot more on defense than what he would normally do if you played with two sixes. So yeah, it, it'll be interesting to see what the union do offensively on the right side of the field. I, I do expect Bizer to sit back. I know some union fans suggest that, Hey, what about Nate Harriel on the right side who 
Uh, some people argue he's the better defender, but I would argue that Bizer, as of late, has been playing excellent on the right side of the field, especially against New York City. He was we saw last year. New York. Yeah, he was. And uh, the, the biggest knock on him last season was he, he tends to zone out at times. He loses his mark. And that hasn't been the case as of late for Bizer. So, yeah, whether it's Kai Wagner on the left side, whether it's Bizer on the right, I think the Union are going to keep their two fullbacks back in this game, just like they did, did against New York City. Earlier this season, you guys played to a 2-2 draw at the Bank of California Stadium. The Hungarian assassin Daniel Gazdag notched a goal and an assist in that match. He was the team's X-factor in that one. Do you expect him to be the X-factor in the final? And who else should LAFC fans and casual fans be looking out for on the Union side? Oh, man. Uh yeah, I mean, Daniel Gazag, you should definitely pay attention to, but the, 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 the reason we're here is Andre Blake, 26 goals conceded, a finalist for MVP, finished third on that list. And I, I, I said, if Andre Blake can keep a clean sheet the rest of the season, I think he should win MVP. His numbers were up there better than Tony Miola's when he won MVP in the league. And then he conceded four goals against Charlotte. So his numbers went down a little bit, but still had the best save percentage, still had the least goals conceded in MLS. But without Andre Blake, th- this team would not be here. Yeah, a lot of the talk about Jacob Glissness winning Defender of the Year, Jack Elliott getting snubbed, not getting in the best, uh, best 11 for MLS that they released today. Yeah, you have Kai Wagner. Yeah, you have Bizer. But teams do get chances to score. And we saw that against New York City. Collins should have made it 2-0. If it wasn't for Andre Blake, New York City would have won that game. And Andre comes up with a huge save. And Jim Curtin called that the turning point in the match. And so I fully expect Andre Blake to be lights out in this game. And like you mentioned, we played LAFC on uh, May 5th of this season. Andre had five saves in that game. Four saves, sorry, in that game. He makes a good save at the end of the game. And uh, LAFC gets a goal with Escobar uh, off the rebound. Julian Carranza doesn't get uh, doesn't track his uh, his runner, and uh, unfortunately, the Union blow a lead. They blew a lead twice in that game, and that's something that this team doesn't normally do. I knew at the beginning of the season that uh, the talk was, "Why does this team blow leads? This is an issue." And uh, the Union were able to figure out, okay, let's not blow leads. And then you go back to that New York City game. Uh, the Union don't concede first, and they found a way to come from behind, which they haven't had to do uh, too many times this season. And so, you know, Union fans should feel confident if they do give up the first goal of this game against LAFC. The team has shown that they can find ways to come back into this game. Uh, I think set pieces are going to be huge in this game, and the Union had only given up three set-piece goals all season long, which was the fewest in MLS, and that was the first of three that the Union gave up. So uh, I want to see the Union play well on set-pieces. We saw the Union's game-time goal against New York City come off of a quick restart. It's a set-piece right there. And so uh, not a lot of fans talk about set-pieces on the Union, but Frank Lice, the set-piece coach, which we don't see a lot of in soccer in general, where teams go out and hire a specific set piece coach that that's all he focuses on. And that's one of the pillars for the union's success is innovation. Jay Sugarman, the owner says, Hey, look, let's find ways to be different. And he gave the union the keys to go out there and hire a set piece coach. They brought in a long throwing coach that works with Liverpool, which we don't see a lot of teams do in MLS focus on those long set piece throw-ins. And so I think those are going to be key in this game for the union. 
Uh, we saw 12 corner kicks conceded for the Union, 25 throw-ins that last matchup from LAFC. And Jim Curtin said after the match that that was just way too many set plays to give up. And so I, I expect LAFC to get their fair amount of throw-ins and corner kicks this game. They will make the Union pay. But uh, the Union got to try to break down on that. But I would say focus on Andre Blake being the star player in this game. Obviously, you have Junior Galsdog. Uh, Julian Crowns also scored in that game against LA. So they, they do have a couple players that can beat you. Absolutely. And I love the shout for Andre Blake. That's my name partner. So I feel like you're talking about me half the time. <laughs> All right, anyways, you started kind of getting into predictions. So before I get you off here, Todd, what is your score prediction for this MLS cup final? Ah, uh, man, don't do this to me, Blake, because it's my least favorite part of every podcast I'm on to, but you got to do it. Yeah. Yeah. I know. I know. I'll, I'll give it for your listeners. Um, we saw an away team win last year, right? In New York city came from, behind or did they no they 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 gave up the no they scored the first goal right and then they i, I don't know it was a year ago but uh yeah new york city won on the road i know portland is in lafc i know the union aren't new york city and you look the union have never beat lafc but what's happened in previous season games doesn't matter i'm gonna say this game goes into extra time at 1-1 mm. and i'm gonna say LAFC get the game-winning goal and make it 2-1. Uh, that would be heartbreaking. Are you going to LA? Oh, man, I, I look so hard to go into it. Uh, but tickets are just way too expensive to fly. So uh, I just got news, though, that the Union weren't going to open up Subaru Park. But now, because so many fans complained about it, the Union may be leaving some staff behind so Subaru Park can be open for a watch party. So uh, if that's the case, then that's where I'll be to watch this game. But yeah, it, it, it pains me to say LAFC and maybe that's what other Union fans feel like. I know they were all nervous for that matchup against New York City. But I will say, the last thing I'll say is the Union thrive in the underdog role. And so they want the media talking about LAFC being the favorite. They, they want the media saying that LAFC is going to destroy the union because they, they do so well in that role. And maybe, maybe the LAFC players let that get to their heads. All the lights on them. Who knows? But uh, yeah, I think it's going to be an intense atmosphere. The union are going to be pinned down pretty early in this game. And uh, we've seen them bend at times, but if they don't break, then uh, that's, that's great for the union. That's a great way to close it out, Todd. Todd, thank you for hopping on MLS Gone Wild. Best of luck to you and your nerves and all of the Philadelphia Union faithful out there that will be tuned in this Saturday at 4 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Uh, I'm wishing you the best, my man. Thanks for hopping on, and I will talk to you soon. All right, now over to the hosts, LAFC. I've got Chris of the Shoulder to Shoulder LAFC podcast here with me to preview the MLS Cup final for the black and gold. Chris, welcome to the show. How are we doing? How are we feeling? And what are the vibes like in LA ahead of this match at the bank this weekend? Hey, Blake, I just want to say thank you very much for giving me the opportunity to come on MLS Gone Wild. Uh, we've had you on our show earlier when we played Columbus. So happy to return the favor. Uh, right now, things in Los Angeles are hyped, man. I'm hyped. I'm excited. I know that the fan base is clamoring for this upcoming Saturday. Um, you know, the uh, the trophy just arrived at Union Station earlier today. Uh, the, the footage has been posted. Uh, you know, the, the social media and the uh, media, the, the PR 
chats are blowing up, just constantly posting footage of be real. And it's just, it's amazing, man. It's, it's amazing. It's amazing. Awesome. I'm excited for you, but Chris, when and why did you begin supporting and covering LAFC? So I actually was a late bloomer to watching, uh, you know, to watching soccer. I grew up in Los Angeles, born and raised, and I watched all the traditional uh, sports, you know, basketball, football, baseball, ice hockey, and I never really got into soccer. And then in my uh, early, my mid twenties, I met a, a guy at work and he was a huge galaxy fan. And he was like, Hey, you know, you're an avid sports fan, you know, you'll like soccer culture. And, um, from afar, like, you know, you, you, at playing FIFA, you pick like an EPL team or whatever. So like, I, I was like a Liverpool supporter just through, through FIFA, but I never really watched any of the games, went to a galaxy match and, you know, it was, it was a different atmosphere just with the chanting and the supporters. And, and especially when, you know, the, they do cheer, uh, for, for more than just the traditional type of atmosphere that you might find in a football game or, or a baseball game. And so then from then I was like, oh, this is cool. I like the environment. And I started watching. And this was in 2014 timeframe. And I think the Galaxy had just won the MLS Cup in 2013. And so it was, you know, it, it was it was a time to just, you know, it, it was a cool time to, to be able to be introduced to a team that was winning. Right. And um, but I, I I never really felt. First of all, Carson is a long drive from where I live. <laughs> I live 45 minutes north of Los Angeles. So for me to go to Carson through the 405 freeway, it took me like an hour and a half, two hours sometimes. And so it, it really was a pain to get there. Um, and, uh, you know, it, it's just, I was always looking for an opportunity to uh, be part of something from its infancy. My, uh, my friend was a Galaxy fan from when they first started in 96, from when they were watching at the Rose Bowl. And he would always talk about just like what it was like from the beginning stages and seeing the MLS develop over 20 years. And when LAFC was announced, I was like, yo, this is my opportunity. This is my chance to really be able to get in on something from the ground floor. And, um, you know, I, I also liked at the time, like Atlanta United and NYCFC had just come around and they were the club names were something similar to what was being portrayed in, uh, in other leagues across in Europe with the United's and FC's. And so I was always like, dude, wouldn't it be dope if there was like an LAFC and, you know, uh, and it came to fruition. And so I jumped on board. The culture was amazing. The supporters were amazing. You know, the, the interaction with the front office, when they were in and around the events that they were putting on. And, you know, it's amazing. I like, I would talk to front office people and I would have no idea that they were front office people. I just thought that they were just like fans. And then, you know, through getting to know them better, you find out, Oh, they actually work for the club. Oh, they're actually like big people in the club. And to this day, those are the relationships that I've cultivated and worked on. And, and it's become just a huge family for me now. And I've got I've, the opportunities that I've had over the last five years are way more than I ever would have expected. So you and Todd of the free kick pod that I just had on have something in common. He's from Maryland. He's a Philadelphia union fan and he's a lot closer to DC. So he should be a DC United fan. And similarly to you, you're closer to Carson and, you know, you were an LA galaxy fan, but you know, proximity brought you closer to LAFC. So uh, I think that's funny, but keep up the great work. You guys are doing a, a great job over at shoulder to shoulder. I appreciate it, man. It's, you know, work's never done, man. It's always, you're always trying to find ways to be able to reach out more to your fan base. And it's this, you know, this whole thing with podcasts and content is it's all about marketing and putting yourself out there. And there's, you're always trying to find ways to be innovative and, 
and looking for for other people to be interested in the content you're putting out so you're constantly having to develop and it's it's hard it's definitely this is definitely like another job this is more than just a hobby you know if you really want to be good at it absolutely all right now let's dive into lafc so for the second time in the club's five-year history they have lifted the supporter shield in their 2019 shield winning season they were eliminated in the western conference finals this year obviously they've advanced to the club's first mls cup final outside of just the players and the coaching what is different between the 2019 team that failed to make the final and this year's squad? I think that when you look at uh, like the record uh, wins, loss, ties record and the point differential, that 2019 team was lethal. I mean, the, they were scoring so many points with so much ease all through 2019 that it was just ridiculous. And uh, this season, LAFC, I think, was scraping by and they were finishing opportunities that were missed in 2021. And that's also part of the reason why LAFC didn't make the playoffs. Like when you look at the newest analytics that come out about XG and, uh, and opportunities missed, LAFC was one of the highest rated teams of, of on-frame on goals that should have high probabilities of going in that didn't go in. And so... Um, you know, this year, LAFC was winning those ugly games, um, whereas in 2019, there was just slaughters all the time, high scoring affairs, running up the score, uh, point differentials, um, you know, so it, this season is definitely more of a grittier type of club. I mean, when you talk about lifting the supporter shield, if Charlotte hadn't come back and, and, and had a 4-0 victory over Philadelphia, that that technically wouldn't have even happened. You know, it, this was LAFC's shield to lose. They did lose the driver's seat and then they just happened to get it back because a, a, a lower rated team that nobody really expected to win that game, not only won, but beat Philadelphia handily. And now we're sitting here with home field advantage. And, and it, it, I mean, just think about where, if we had to go to Philadelphia instead of being here in Los Angeles this Saturday, this would have been a totally different vibe. That's why every single game matters in MLS. I know we don't have pro rel, but literally this situation where both of these teams are tied on what 72 points and the total wins matter. So yeah, every game matters in MLS folks going back to that 2019 season before we move on. I just don't want to gloss over this. Carlos Vela scored 36 goals, which is absolutely absurd. Yeah, it was, I mean, it was an amazing season. That was, I think the best that we've ever seen Carlos. And unfortunately, because we had gotten that bit, that taste of how good Carlos could be so early. Expectations that, like, are so high. So high. And so every season after that, it's been a bit of a letdown, right? And 2020, he sat out a significant amount of time because of COVID. 2021, there was a lot of injuries and he was in and out of the roster. And now we're here in 2022 and his goals, he doesn't score the same amount of goals, not even close to what he scored in 2019. And we've talked about it on our show. He facilitates a different role. Now he is no longer the key goal scorer, the out and out number nine that we're looking to. He's now more of a playmaker role, a true number 10 that is facilitating the ball and looking for opportunities to get his other players looks and giving them the, the opportunity to put in the back of the net. That's great stuff right there, Chris. So I talked Moneyball roster construction with Todd. And while I would love to talk about the signings of Bale and Chiellini, Tello and Buanga, who we'll get to here in a couple of minutes, I want to focus on the interleague signings of Kellen Acosta, Ilya Sanchez, and Ryan Hollingshead. How good have those guys been for LAFC this year? 
And what value do these MLS veteran intra-league signings bring to a club ready to compete for silverware? I mean, you, you first of all, you can't say enough good things about Ilya, Kellen, or Ryan. Uh, I mean, they were all stand-up journeyman veteran and uh, soccer uh, players here in the league. Uh, they were well-loved by the clubs that they previously had come from. Uh, I mean, you can't just say enough good things about them to have that kind of leadership in the locker room is, uh, you know, priceless. Uh, and now what they do on the pitch is even more so, you know, when uh, Edward Atuesta had made his move over at the end of last season, uh, we definitely felt like there was a significant hole that needed to be filled and getting Ilya Sanchez to fill and facilitate that role. I mean, he's pretty much our second captain. When Carlos comes off the pitch, the captain's armband goes straight to Ilya and he'd only been with our club a number of weeks before that captain's armband went on his arm. It just shows you the quality of the person that he is um, and the leadership that he has and the, the, uh, the amount of uh, attention that is, is required and demanded of him when he's on the pitch. Um, Kellen Acosta brought a, another element of, to the attacking with his corners and crosses uh, and free kicks. And, you know, when you have that prior to Kellen being here, it was primarily Edward Atuesta and Carlos Vela. But I don't think a lot of times people really expected Atuesta to really take the kicks. It was more so just like, to give an extra look that you might have to prepare for, but it's probably not even going to be him. It's just going to primarily be Carlos. But now with Kellen Acosta in there, there really is the, the true opportunity for two different players with two different legs to take the kick. And so you have to prepare for both. Um, and Ryan Hollingshead, I mean, I was in a group chat today and we were talking about the three most impactful players for LAFC's roster in 2022. And Ryan Hollingshead, while he didn't, he ended up not being agreed upon as being the top three, he was, there was an argument for him as one of the most influential players on this roster this season to be able to play both sides of the defensive winger. I mean, it, and, and his ability to score. I mean, people forget too that before he came into the league, he was a striker at UCLA. So he has the ability to put the ball in the back of the net. And it's, it shouldn't be a shock the number of goals that he has put in, in for us this season. That's a fun little fact there. Did not know he played striker at UCLA. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, he was a striker all four years at UCLA. I mean, it, the guy the guy knows how to score. And there was that one match against San Jose when we actually had him start the match as a striker on the wing. Um, you know, and it and it was it was a different look. And I think that Chirundolo was taking an opportunity against a lesser team to put in a rotation of players and see what they could do in a position that they may not be most familiar with. It ended up backfiring on us because we ended up losing that match. But it's still just to say, you know, having a player with with the scoring ability like Ryan Hollingshead as a winger also as a wing back is it's it's a nice problem to have. Yeah, he's versatile. He's flexible. And if he would have went out there and scored a hat trick against San Jose, Trundolo would have looked like a freaking genius. Exactly. Exactly. All right. So let's get to Boanga. So you can usually start to judge uh, summer signing success based on how they're doing in the fall. Well, Dennis Buonga put up a brace versus the Galaxy in the Western Conference semifinals and put on a show in LAFC's 3-0 win over Austin FC. For you, Chris, has he been the MLS signing of the summer? And how can he exploit a maybe weak side of the Union midfield triangle without Ale Bedoya? So, I, I mean, Denny Buonga is definitely one of the most impactful players in the shortest amount of time that we have had in our club's history to get him in the summer signing and he didn't make his debut, I believe until the end of July or the beginning of August. Um, and he integrated himself into the club immediately. Um, 
And on top of the two goals that he had against the Galaxy, he was the one that put the goal in in Portland for us to be able to lift the shield and get the victory in Portland at the death. I mean, I think that I, I had said on, we recorded our episode yesterday. I had said that uh, I think that Denny Bawanga is going to score in this match this upcoming Saturday, and he's going to write himself into the history books and the Andals for LAFC for the time to come. Scoring the goal to get us the supporter shield, scoring the brace against our rivals in his first derby match, and then to put a goal in the back of the net during the MLS Cup that helps us lift the, the, the cup at the end. I could just see it happening, a storybook ending, and it, it's just one of those things where he is forever going to be a fan favorite uh while for for the whether it's a brief period of time that he's been here or for years to come these six months that he's been here we i mean he is leaps and bounds better than brian rodriguez who he replaced coming into it and and that was and i mean that's the player that we needed at the time that we needed him as for alejandro bedoya i mean that he is the captain and he is the heartbeat of that philadelphia squad um you know i i think that they're they have a serviceable backup uh in finley and it's this team is not short of goal scoring opportunities. So I don't think not having Alejandro Bedoya is going to be significant in the ability to put the ball in the back of the net. This team, this Philadelphia team has shown that they have the ability to score at will when they want to turn it on. So while I think that Alejandro Bedoya is important for the club in a morale leadership standpoint, I'm not necessarily, he is a difference maker when it comes to scoring or not scoring. This team knows how to score, whether he's on the pitch or off the pitch. Uh, I do expect to see him because this is going to be his first MLS cup. And, it, and it's hard to think of a player in his mid thirties getting potentially another chance. Cause you never know when you're going to get back to this stage. I just, I have a hard time thinking that he's not going to make an appearance at some point. Maybe he'll come on as a sub as opposed to being a starter given the situation, but I do expect to see him at some point. Will Ale Bedoya play TBD? We will see on Saturday at about 3 p.m. when those rosters, those starting 11s are released. Chris, you're talking about the union scoring at will. Well, Gazdag, Ua, and Carranza combined for 51 goals this season, making them one of the most dominant attacking trios in MLS history. Gazdog and Carranza each scored in your matchup earlier this season. So with LAFC keen to get their fullbacks high and the union ready to pounce and transition, what do LAFC need to do or not to do to prevent Philly from being so dangerous in those transition moments? Well, you know, when you, when you think about our roster back when we played them at the beginning of the season, there were two key players on our defensive line that we did not have. And that is Giorgio Chiellini and Eddie Segura. Eddie Segura was still covering, recovering from an injury that he sustained last year in 2021, and Chiellini hadn't come because the transfer window in the summer hadn't opened yet. Um, I do think that Chiellini is going to be a player that you're going to see start, especially with the history of his career and him playing at the highest level in Serie A and for Italy, that this is the environment that he thrives in. Um, and I think that that is going to be a difference maker in the ability for Philadelphia to put in the back of the net. And, you know, having a, a center back in Eddie Segura, whether he makes the start alongside Chiellini or if they go with David Jesus Murillo as the center back pairing, having Eddie Segura to come in to replace Chiellini when he gets subbed off, whether it's at halftime or in the 60th minute. I think that that is not we're not taking a step back in our central defense. And those are two. Uh, two defenders that they didn't get an opportunity to see. And so they, there will be some different looks uh, definitely this upcoming match. 
do you have concerns about Philly playing in transition with either Palacios or Hollingshead getting too far into the attack? You know what? I, I, I think that it would potentially leave us open for a counterattack, but at the same time too, when you look at Philadelphia and their defense, you know, their two center backs are the ones that were in position to be defender of the year, but their weaker points on the defense are their wing backs, right? If you're looking at all four players, their wing backs, not to say they're bad players, right? But those are the weaker players compared to the four central backs. We're going to have to press on the outside. That's how we're going to have to win this match is by exploiting the outside, moving the ball up the pitch, finding space and putting crosses into the middle. Like that's, that's what we're going to have to do. And this is not a match where you can play conservatively and win. This is a team where we're also going to have to try and make goals happen on the counter. So it's, it's almost like you have to play a little bit of that risk reward in order for you to, to, to lift the cup. Yeah, I agree. This game isn't going to be played through the middle. I think for you guys to have success, you guys are going to have to stretch that diamond wide and then play outside to end to find those crosses into the box or what have you. Um, so that's a good point there, Chris. All right, so the last thing before I get you out of here, but every guest's least favorite thing to do on a podcast, it's prediction time. What's the final score of the 2022 MLS Cup final? So I, I said this on my show yesterday. Uh, I think that it's going to be a 2-1 victory. I don't expect, you know, uh, Andre Blake, third-time MLS goalkeeper of the year, two times in the last three years. I, I don't expect this man to allow very many goals get on the other side of that line. I do think that LAFC is going to win. I think that it's going to be a hard-fought match. I think it's going to be a 2-1 victory. Um, you know, and if LAFC comes out and plays the same way that they played against Austin, where Austin was not able to get their first shot on frame until almost the 80th minute, mm -hmm. I think that we are going to do very well in subduing the attack of Philadelphia. I think that they have too much to give it a clean sheet. So I think that it will be a 2-1 victory, LAFC, and we'll be hoisting the cup. In regular time, we're not going to extra time? No, brother, we're doing this in regular time, man. No extra time. No extra time at all. We're doing this all in regular time for sure. Your heart can't take that. No, man. I because my biggest fear is the is a is a uh, a revisit of last year's oh, MLS man. Cup finals, right? Where they end up going to PKs. Like that is my biggest, like that is the biggest heartbreak is yeah. to go to PKs and then you end up losing it. Right. And PKs are such a crapshoot. It's a flip of the coin. And I, I would just, I would hate that. So if it ever, if it did go into extra time, I would just be so nervous about it potentially going to PKs that I don't even want to deal with that. I, I want it done in 90. <laughs> I hear you. Um, so you can go back and listen to this and listen to what Todd said, but I'll give you a little sneak peek. Todd, actually the Philadelphia union fan of the free kick pod, predicted that LAFC would win this game 2-1. It would go to extra time 1-1, and LAFC would score the, the game winner in extra time. Wow, I am shocked that he would say that. I mean, even, even if I felt in my heart of hearts that LAFC <laughs> was the underdog in this, I don't know if I would actually say that. Like, I, I mean, props to him for being, you know, an honest reporter, but it, I, I mean, I, you still got to root for your team, man. You still got to think. You know, they got here. <clears throat> and honestly, they, de they deserved, you know, to be where they are. And I, nobody would say otherwise either that they wouldn't, that if they were the supporter shield winners and ho hosting the MLS cup, that nobody would be like, well, they didn't deserve it. Like Philadelphia is a really good team and I, I wouldn't put it past them. It's going to be a hard fought match for sure. These have been the best two teams all season long. And here they are 
standing with one game in front of them for one of them to hopefully host. Well, one of them definitely will hoist their first MLS cup trophy. Chris, thanks for hopping on MLS gone wild, man. Best of luck to you, to LAFC and to the LAFC faithful this weekend. And uh, you guys have a party at the bank, man. I appreciate it. And for anybody that wants to ever check out LAFC's shoulder to shoulder podcast, you can give us a follow at LAFC S the number two S on all social media platforms. And uh, we are also on all podcast platforms. We do opponent correspondent weekly interviews with players, staff and front office personnel and community members, and also do posts and pregame recaps. So thanks again, Blake, for having me on and looking forward to talking to you again soon. Awesome. Thank you so much, Chris. Listeners, thanks for tuning into MLS Gone Wild, episode 94. Shout out to my guests, Todd and Chris of the Free Kick Pod and Shoulder to Shoulder Podcast. Go give those guys a follow, like, subscription, all that good stuff. Like I said at the beginning of the show, be sure to tune into the final this Saturday at 4 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on Fox. It should make for an MLS Gone Wild MLS Cup final. Enjoy it. Enjoy the offseason. And I'll talk to you guys soon. Peace.